Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a Reaction Monday edition of the program. Merely Bo, the great Z. Look, 7-10 and 10 wasn't in the brochure, guys. Wasn't. Uh, no. You are what your record says you are. And ours says 7-10, fourth in the AFC North. Uh, there's been about a billion things, obviously, that happened this season. Um, there was hope, I think, that you could do a couple of things going into this Pittsburgh game, getting to a winning record, or getting to, uh, you know, go 8-8-9 eight and eight and nine would have been nice. Most importantly, though, Beating Sweep Pittsburgh them. twice in one season was was something you could hang your hat on, uh, and you don't do that. Um, it ends twenty eight to fourteen, um, and and so this season, which has been tough, really tough, uh, tough I know for all of you, tough for us, tough for the organization, tough for the players, everything. Uh, it comes to an end in unceremonial fashion, twenty eight to fourteen in Pittsburgh. You had a front row seat, my friend. I did, yeah, and it's not just a reaction Monday. It is, unfortunately, when, when teams do not live up to their expectations and goals that are set and should have, frankly, been attainable are not attained, changes are made. So this isn't just a reaction Monday. It is mm-hmm. a changes have been made Monday. Uh, the Browns relieving defensive coordinator Joe Woods of his duties. Kevin Stefanski saying, I'd like to thank Joe for his hard work and dedication in his three seasons as our defensive coordinator. I will always have the utmost respect for Joe, the person, and the coach. Unfortunately, we didn't perform up to our standards enough this season, and we all share in that responsibility. We all wish Joe and his family the best in the future. And, yeah, there's obviously a lot of blame that could go around for a lot of things that have gone wrong this season. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, too early in the season, defensive issues, breakdowns, uh, reared their ugly head. I hate it. You know, I've been doing this a while now. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a full staff here for three straight years. Yeah. So you really got to know these guys. You care about them as people. And there's nothing that's fun about these situations. But when teams don't do what, you know, teams are supposed to do, a lot of times that comes with change. And in this case, you know, the change they decided to make was was at the defensive coordinator. As of now, uh, the assistants are all still here. And then I guess whoever comes in as the defense coordinator will obviously have some say in, in how that looks. But just it's tough it's a tough part of the business it is and the thing with with joe that was interesting is you know in the 2021 season last season um it was a slow start and then it really came on dominant and and dominant towards the as the season went along and a reasonable expectation is that that would carry over into this season and it didn't and it was stunning and in a way the struggles that i think were there defensively this year kind of a microcosm of the disappointment of the entire season. Um, you know, there, there were defensive breakdowns, these gashes that happened, but the defense did get better uh, as the season went along. And There's had no some, question. And had some big-time moments. Dominant performances. And dominant right? performances, absolutely. But for whatever reason, the week-to-week consistency, and that could be said of the offense, that could be said of the special teams, absolutely. Um, there just was not the consistent – uh, performances that were required for this team to do what was there. And let's let's just also say this. When you think about, I mean, like eight, seven teams make the playoffs. Like seven get in. Um, Out of 16. Yeah, that's pretty good. So you've got, you, you had three or four instances, you had so many instances of just complete breakdowns, but you had several instances where you should have been playing for something yesterday. And to your point earlier, 
when you're not, then something has to change. And and Joe is the change. Um, we've had Joe Woods in here. He's great. Yep. Couldn't couldn't be a better dude. And there is plenty of proof here in the three the the three seasons that he's been here that what he is teaching and and the potential for it can lead to greatness. We saw that last year firsthand. We've seen it this year in several games. Just the week to week consistency wasn't there. The week to week accountability wasn't there. And that's where where this has to happen. Yeah. And what I hope is in, in this off season, a year in which you know, it's so frustrating on so many levels. There was a drive in the game yesterday, which we'll talk about at some point, that I felt in many ways was a microcosm of this season for especially for our defense. Uh it just it 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 fell short and there was a consistent if there was anything that was consistent, there was a consistent inability to execute in high leverage moments. Yeah. And in the NFL, the games are gonna come down to a few high leverage moments and it all three phases. You know, mm -hmm. it could be a missed field goal here, a missed extra point there, not recovering an onside kick mm -hmm. that co couples with a blown coverage. It couples with, you know, an unfortunate interception down in the red zone against the Chargers when you, mm -hmm. you felt like you had that game put away. You know, an inability to come through on a bunch of different fourth downs inside an opponent's 10 or 15-yard mm -hmm. line. And that adds up to losses that shouldn't be losses. Like, I don't think there's anybody that would have thought yesterday that that Steelers team has a more talented roster than the Browns. They just execute. They are relentless. They are physical. And they know how to win and know when it comes down to that time. And the drive that I was referencing was we cut it to 20 to 14. And now it's 10 minutes. Now all the pressure shifts back to them. You immediately get them in third and 10. They complete a 17-yard pass. Next, you immediately get them in third and eight from their own from uh, your 41, so out of field goal range again. And then they throw it to a backup rookie tight end who ended the, entered the game with nine catches for 109 yards, one-on-one -on -one with one of our corners, A.J. Green, and that gets him 27 yards. And then on third and eight from the 12, when you could have held it to a field goal at least, again, tight end, one-on-one -on, -one on a slant, A.J. Green, nine. And then you get a pass interference in the end zone, and ultimately they convert. So they converted four fourth downs, three of which were third and eight or long, or third and eight or more. Third and ten was the other one. And that's exactly where you wanted to put them. That was the whole plan, put them in those situations. And we did not come through on three different accounts and three strikes are out. And it's just high leverage situations. It's, it's everything in this game. They're called money downs for a reason. They're called money, you know, big plays for a the reason. Pickens bust. The Pickens bust. That's on third and 15. That's at the end of the first half. We have that the ball. Happen. No, it cannot happen. I, I took Buddy out. To use the facilities. Yep. I come back in. I go. I said, "What?" I said, "We were done. We're going to half. What is going on?" We're up seven nothing. They have third and fifteen from the thirty-one. They're going to kick a field goal, and yeah. we are going to get the ball back with a chance to match that field goal, maybe get a touchdown, whatever. Going back instead, busted coverage, walk-in layup, thirty-one yard touchdown, inexcusable, inexcusable. Pickens isn't inconspicuous. No, not. You then, ought to know where he is. Then, unfortunately, a bad interception. Mm -hmm. And then they get a field goal. So going into the two-minute warning, you're up 7 nothing. In those two minutes, somehow you're down 10-7. to seven. And it's just, yeah, it's those kind of microcosms. I mean, I, I, we have to be end of the first half, beginning of the third quarter, one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, I, there's so many games I can think of where we've given up points in and out. Oh, my gosh. End of half, end of games. Yeah. Anti you, remember we talked about this earlier in the season, you know, like where's we need to have a clutch. Like can you teach clutch? Can you teach big moments? 
um, because we didn't have it. And, you know, you we poke you know, squealers and all of that stuff and, and that we do. And, my God, like, this was their year to go in the tank, man. They don't. It's But it's, it's not in their nature to do it. Nature. They don't. Nope. They just don't have it in. Kenny Pickett yesterday went 13 of 29. We've lost multiple games where we've held quarterbacks below 50% passing in the NFL in the year 2022. It's impossible. Impossible. It's impossible. Lamar was under 50%, I think, yeah. the game when we lost to the Ravens in Baltimore. That just can't happen. Ten years. Ten years on the radio network. I've never seen a win in Pittsburgh. I have. I exclude the 2020 <laughs> playoff game because we were at First Energy. Yeah, I wasn't. You, he was there. Yeah, was you witnessed there. it. I've never, the seen a, I've never seen a win. Um, Acrisure, Heinz, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, um, what I hope is, and because so many people get mad at, at the coaches and Joe Woods and, oh, man, they blew the coverage again. Mm-hmm. It's Joe Woods, Joe Woods. I really do hope that some of the players reflect – a little bit this offseason. I think part of it and what they're like, you know, you're John Johnson, you know, we need some new accountability and, and all these things. I do think that you could make case that, all right, if you're doing that, then you just don't get to play. Mm-hmm. And, and perhaps that's the task that has to be had. But again, if you, if I came onto this show, mm-hmm. okay. And we practice this show to yeah. kind of make it kind of analogous situation. And you were like, all right, when we're going to break, you can't start screaming profanity, okay? You just can't do that. Can't do it. You we can't have rules do it. here. There are rules. These are the rules of this show is yeah. that you can't start screaming profanity That's right. as we go to break, <laughs> or really at any time during the program. Yeah. And I'm like, got it. I know it. Here we go. We're going to be on the air now. I just can't do that. Mm-hmm. And then I do do that. Yeah. That's not like, to me, a coach's fault. That's my fault. I knew the rules. Yeah. I knew that. If the slot ran a vertical, I'm supposed to carry the seam. That's the way that we call that defense. That's right. It's built into the call. So when you don't do it, that's. But when it does, but, here's here's the. But difference. then maybe you have to. Let's do take the something. analogy a step further. Sure. If you do that and you do scream profanities yeah. in and out of every break, and neither I or most especially the head honcho don't hold you accountable. Sure. Then where's your lesson? No, of course. So that's it's all of it. Totally. It's all of it. I right? just think it would be sad if, if I end up, I'm fine and Gibbe gets and then fired. And he's fired because and you're, you're going to keep doing it. Yeah. Right. No, no, agreed. That takes it all the way full circle. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that's the part. Like, they're not being coached to do this. To blow coverage. No. That <laughs> mm. can't happen. It's, and just so people know, like, there are a lot of things that have to be factored in in a coverage situation. Rules change based on motions and mm-hmm. shifts and all of that, and you have to respond to it in real time. But, like, coverages aren't that complex. No. no. You know it's where you are, hard. and you know what your responsibilities you are. And it, job. It's, it's just, it, yeah. It's disappointing. This whole season, disappointing. That drive yesterday, that in drive in particular, because you're like, okay, we went down, we got a big touchdown. Mm-hmm. Deshaun made some nice plays, the big ball to uh, – and, by the way, I liked what Jalen Darden did for our offense, and I think in one snap, I'm pretty sure he only played that one snap. But I like the effect that he had on their defense in one snap, and it goes back to my point. We need speed, but we'll get to We have plenty of time in the offseason to talk about what we need. Um, I, I love that we went and we got that touchdown. And then you've got a chance to get him off the field against a guy that completed, as you pointed out, fewer than 50% of his passes. And on three straight third downs, you let him complete on third and longs. It's just wild to me. Like, it's just stunning to me. It can't happen. 
No, it can't happen. And then to think that, you know. They didn't run it on. I mean, Najee was 3.7 a carry. No, we I mean, handled it well. We All didn't. of that, you did well. Somehow they come away with 28 points. I mean, it's. Kenny Pickett. And it could have been worse. I mean, they had the fumble on the goal line that if it was challenged. I mean, I thought Najee scored on that. And they quick ran it instead of, like, taking a look at it. Because it never even went down. And then you get the fumble at the goal line. It's like, I mean, I. That this this game it had all of the things that have been bothersome all season. Totally, their three biggest pass plays of the day: twenty-seven, thirty-one, and thirty-two yards came on third and eight, third and fifteen, and third and eight. Like, yeah, that's Kenny Pickett. I mean, and and he clearly when they get him out of the pocket, he can do some things. But to have Kenny Pickett complete five passes of twenty-three or more yards against you is just insane to me. Like, it yeah. doesn't even make any sense to me how that was even possible. And it did happen in this game. There are a lot of things that, yeah, it was very much. A, in, this game was a microcosm in so many ways. Have the lead, can't maintain it. Turnovers, we lose a turnover battle. So no now, clutch, no clutch. You know, we're five and zero this year when we won the turnover battle. Five and zero. Unfortunately, it's going to say that we were also two and ten when we did, just tied it or lost it. Just it, it was rough. And then there, there are little things, right? So. Then on the second interception for Deshaun, when you're a receiver running an inward breaking route like that, you mm -hmm. cannot let the defender impossible cross your face. No, like one job, you can't let that happen. And that's, unfortunately for David Bell, this is that's fifth grade football stuff, man. This feels like in many ways it it, it was a non season. Yeah, third round pick, you got nothing out of him. That's Schwartz Bell receivers that needed to be dudes not 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 even kind of no and then on the other side third down and eight with the backup tight end aj green in man you know you same thing you can't let that receiver cross your face mm -hmm. on an inward breaking route that's like their backup backup tight end yeah that guy out of michigan state guy came in the game with nine catches for 109 yards had three for 45 including two on the back breaking drive in man against our corner yeah it's not like he was matched up with a linebacker or a safety. He has a corner. That's yeah. a you have to win that matchup. Yeah. It was tough. It was T tough. Tough, tough season. Yeah, it was. Disappointing season. And you know, you hate it. You hate the human side of it that uh, you know, Joe loses his job. The Browns, you know, are are talking to we've seen reports now Brian Flores mm -hmm. um as well as Jared uh, Mayo, Mayo yeah. who is with the Patriots as guys that they're going to take a look at and 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 that feels to me what they are looking for there are guys that are going to have be leaders of men and mm -hmm. have command a tremendous amount of respect in the locker room. Not to say that Joe didn't have that Joe and our defense last year was a top what five defense in the league. Yeah. I mean it and that's the NFL for you, right? Life comes at you very, very quickly. Cliff Kingsbury signed a one year extension mm -hmm. signed a multi year extension a year ago and just got let go in Arizona. But Didn't I think that happened like in the last hour? Yeah. Yeah, oh, Cliff's gone. That. Steve Kime gone. Yep, gone. Oh, it had to be. Yeah, it's too, it had to be. He's just signed a monstrous extension. Yeah. Oh, I, well, they should. No, that was silly. Well, that but sure obviously, was. but yeah, um, yeah. And that, we have no. Just so people, what I have no insight on how quickly the Browns will get this defensive coordinator. Um, I imagine that it's you know you want to wrap that up and be be able to get your guy. Well, I'm sure more names will be added to this list uh, that we've got right now. Well, Flores could be a head coaching candidate in 
certain places, depending on how this all shakes out over the course of the next couple Mecco of weeks. Ryans is probably going to be mm-hmm. a guy from the Niners. Their D.C. is going to be a guy that's going to be a head coaching candidate. He wouldn't come here to be a D.C., but, yeah, there are head coaches. That's the other thing you're, you're competing with, so you're trying to take care of that if you can. Mm-hmm. Kingsbury uh, was signed through 2027. Yeah, I thought it was long. So it was a five-year extension. He's, he's going to enjoy that that house and that view. That's six years. That was a six-year extension he sent it. They're firing after one. And now I'm sure they they probably negotiated a buyout, maybe, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. He's under. I mean, that's guaranteed. There's no, no reason to do it. Yeah. Just out of his own goodwill. Right. Think about that, dude. He was the offensive coordinator at USC. Yeah. Everybody panicked. We got to get offensive guys. He had tangible experience with Kyler Murray, who was coming out into that draft. But originally he was hired thinking that he was going to fix Rosen. Yeah. was the idea. He didn't even have a winning record at Texas Tech. There's no. anybody who, when he, in the college football world, that when he got hired thought like he would not have gotten hired to coach a Big 12 team in after coming out of the Texas Tech run. Yep. He would not have. He would have been coaching at Tex, at Houston or SMU. Like He was not going to get a Big 12 job coming out of what happened at yep. Texas Tech. He needed career rehabilitation. That's why he was going to USC to call ball plays with a lot of talent at USC. Live in Manhattan Beach. Then all of a sudden he gets the Cardinals' head coaching job? What? And it went exactly as everyone said it would go. Yeah. In exact science, this. I will say the only thing, and I don't know if – I'm sure Gibbe found it satisfying, but one of the – more surreal parts of yesterday obviously so disappointing for the Browns and just so unfortunately like on brand with the way that that season yeah. went is with about was about four minutes left that they did Renegade no it was at the two minute warning two okay two minute warning they do Renegade I knew it was late surprisingly well, they, late well the problem was they burned through the network timeouts so there was only one network timeout left oh and they need they that they played it earlier but <laughs> That's a network. That's a timeout that you need the full t- two twenty, and it to was get everybody amped up. Electric, it is. It's an awesome place to take in a game where they're invested. So that happens at the two minute warning. Mm-hmm. I want to say with maybe a minute and fifteen seconds left. Oh, Miami hits a fifty yard field goal. It was. Awesome. I said, I said, Jim, do you want to tell them or would you like me to? And so he did that, and then we looked down. The place went from towels craziness to you could see people talking and you could hear a pin drop hear a pin drop and then they just started everybody just left heading for the exits that's pretty good and i was like good (laughs) that was the only silver lining that's pretty good though like jim was like stunned he's like because i said it i was like people are it is silent. Yeah, there was no celebration to the. Well, oh, what are they? Season. They don't. Yep. And then I'm like, they're I think, not celebrating beating us. I was I mean, like, they, people are leaving, and he looked down, and it was just like, Poosh. yeah. And he goes, oh my god. There was there was no traffic by the time we we left. We left probably an hour and twenty, hour and twenty five after. So you left at like five thirty? You think? Yeah, yeah. We left eh, between five thirty and five forty. Tell you what, because the the team left around five o'clock. I, we had to finish load. I did my post game. Yep. I was in the lot up by the Taco Bell, which is an excellent lot to get out of. Yeah. I was in my home at 636. Well, we were in discussions. We were within two minutes of each yeah, other as I was right coming around, from, yeah. from basketball out at Hiram. Oh, yeah. We were right by each other. Yeah. yeah. The Terriers. What a great nickname. It's a good name. Yeah. Yeah. We were out there playing. Good hoops. gym. No, oh, the barn's great. Like their their big yep. barn is great. We were in the field house, but it okay. was 
Yeah. The best gym that I ever played in in my uh, my high school days was at O'Dowd, Bishop O'Dowd, which said a lot of mm-hmm. good athletes have come out of that school. In it's in in Oakland area, and it was kind of like remember the pit at New yeah. Mexico. Yeah, yeah. So yep. like the court was down. The benches were down. There were maybe like a couple of things down, but then everybody else was above you, kind of in a cutout, like above yeah. you. And then the gym was like in the middle of that. And so everybody's above you. That's cool. it, it was actually, it was really That's cool. so much fun. Yeah, it was pretty Unfortunately, cool. Unfortunately, around place. here, a lot of them have gotten torn down as we've, you know, we've been on the circuit here for a couple of years. And so I've seen a lot of them. Many of them have gotten torn down through the years. Like the classics that the have classic character. classic old school ones with character. But yeah. Cuyahoga Falls is a... That's a dude, man. Are they still the Redskins? No, Cuyahoga Falls is uh, Black Tigers. Oh, that's right. But there's Black Tigers. That's they, where I'm from. Yeah, you got it. Right, that Paul. gym. Oh, yeah. is the real deal, man. And I oh, no they, doubt. Apparently, they passed a levy to, for new school and stuff, but they're keeping the gym. God bless them. It's gonna look awesome. What's so great about it? It's straight up on the sides. I mean, it kind of looks like uh, Assembly Hall in Indiana. Like it goes forever up. I got some pictures. I'll show you. High countries. That's it's. It's it's not a fun, uh, fun thing to do. No, it's it's absolutely awesome. I love that gym. I love going in there. Um, All right, so we've got a lot to get to here. Look, there's a lot going on in the NFL, as we alluded to. Um, Houston Texans. I believe I had that. Well, you had it for a half, and then they hold on. And then someone got to Lovey, and then Lovey said, "Screw the." How about he goes for two? He goes for the win. And gets it, and then is fired that night. Like, well, of course. Don't you think they were buzzing down, being like, "Do not do, do not this. get this." There was a there had to be run a conversation it into the at middle. Halftime. Yeah, Houston was owning that game at halftime, and then all of a sudden they turned around, and the Colts had scored like twenty unanswered. I'm like, "Well, someone got to love you." Yeah, like, dude, this is we get to pick our quarterback, and now we don't. I That's what happened. The code red. Fourth and twenty, touchdown, two point conversion, win it. Now you go from picking first to picking second. The Bears now pick first. They can now leverage that pick. If Indy, who picks fourth now, could go up to one to get it, trade. There's picks a lot to of talk it. that the Bears are going to trade Fields and pick a quarterback. That I mean, maybe I wouldn't. I think he's a dude. I don't know where. I mean, I uh, think there'd be a lot are, of interest in Fields. People are down. I, no, I think so too. Who's down? I haven't seen people anybody. are down on his ability to pass the football some. in Chicago. Yeah, I saw some like, of that. Like, like that people that cover the Bears yeah. are saying that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I mean, you, well, where you we didn't didn't, surround I just think it's talent. crazy, though, because if that is true, that's obviously the, the two years in the league like have made him regress as a yes. passer because he was quite competent thrower of the football. Oh, he had a – yeah, yeah. He had a six-touchdown game against Clemson in the national semifinal. Yeah. So, yeah. No, he can spin it. So, I don't know what – probably they wrecked him, but if that's I, he I would be somebody that would be a reclamation. If, if he's there for the trade, I think you could – Dude, Kyle, that's the make one it right. To see, although right. I, I, I'm sorry, might not need to. Purdy's been great. Brock Purdy might be, yeah, the next yeah, Russ so, or so the Tom Bears, Brady or guy just who wasn't supposed to start. I mean, oh yeah, I know it. The Bears, I guess, could go Bryce Young. I can't. I don't. To me, Bryce Young better prospect than Fields. It's hard for me to wrap my head around that. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention though, but no, I did. I knew that that no one tanks like Indy. They know what they're doing. Um, but they put up 32. They I thought they, nobody was yeah. going to score. It's crazy. Um, the other thing, if you don't well up with Naheem Hines taking the opening kickback for a touchdown in Buffalo, are you kidding me? Yep. Unbelievable. I Come on. We were in the booth, and we obviously don't have the video of yep. it, but uh, I was 
I'm like, oh my god, seven nothing Buffalo already. And I clicked on it. And I was like, Jim, they ran the opening kickoff back. Nine Hines, ninety six yards. He run two back in the game, which yeah. is a ridiculous feat. But ninety coming after that week, yeah, opening kick, opening kick. And I I watched the call of Nance and Romo. And Nance was losing it. Romo, you could tell, didn't even know what to like do. He's like, this is it's destiny. <laughs> it was that was awesome. How, last thing from last night. Did you see the in game coach interview with Dan Campbell? No. On Sunday Night Football. No. Went in the first half. Yes. I watched this I watched the second half, which was awesome. Goff like Goff's good. Don't Yeah. They got the Rams pick. They got their own. They got two ones. Jameson Williams on the one that was called back. You saw what he can do. No one can catch him. He looked like he was at a different speed. Different level. So now he's coming back fully healthy next year. You got two ones to add to that team. That team will be the favorite in the NFC North next season. They should be. Did you watch his interview though? Okay, go get Dan Quinn, and I have another interview for you that is maybe my favorite in a long time. It was time. unbelievable. So he's freezing, and he's one of those guys when this he gets is post cold. game. No, this is in game. In game, like okay. the Melissa Stark in game. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. He is yelling. He's so fired up, essentially saying, "Paraphrase." You just have to watch it, but paraphrasing is, "We want to take this from them. We want to take this from them. We keep them out." And he's all, dem- "It's." Amazing! The fact that he got those guys to play that hard when they were playing for nothing—they literally got eliminated as they were taking the field. Yeah, <laughs> they were playing for nothing. Yeah, it was awesome. Awesome. Okay, Jamal Williams post game. Have you seen this? No, but I saw him being introduced, speaking in a language of things I've never even understood or could understand what he was talking about. <laughs> yes, I think it has to do with like ninjas. I believe shinobi's I don't know, something beyond. I don't my, know. Yeah, I like a ninja. Radio. Who doesn't? So, post game, okay, he's being interviewed by Melissa Stark. He's got the touchdown ball that he broke Barry Sanders' yeah. franchise record with. He is he's an emotional guy. We saw it on Hard Knocks. Yeah, he is crying, doing his interview, talking about how he's did this for his family and for his grandfather, and maybe maybe even got to his great grandfather. I'm paraphrasing here, but that this was for him, and this ball is for him, and it means so much. She's like, it obviously, she's like, it means so much. She's like, yeah, it does, and he's like crying, and it's all this emotional interview, and then all of a sudden, it was like as if somebody pressed a button, and he goes from crying to screaming. Don't be playing us. I told you, don't be playing the Detroit Lions. Somebody give us any respect. He goes, I don't even watch TV, but I heard it all. You picked the Green Bay Packers. Didn't give us a chance. Don't play the Detroit Lions. Don't play us. Like, from crying to cutting a wrestling promo of anger. in Just like that. With no transition whatsoever. was It's incredible. It's stunning. I'll, I'll play it for you in the break. That's amazing. It's awesome. That's absolutely amazing. Crazy. Uh, all right. Um... Lots to get to, obviously, here today, including you'll hear from our quarterback. It's locker cleanout day around here. You'll hear from Deshaun Watson. The Hoff will join us in hour number two. We're off and running. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. There's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers, presented by Milk Bones, the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, what do you think of uh, Jamal Williams? Incredible, right? It's incredible. I tweeted it out. You don't follow me on social, which is why yeah, you didn't yeah. see it, but I, I have tweeted it for the people who want to watch it. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I thought that was great. I mean, it was it was a crazy day in the NFL. Like, who was going to try and who wasn't going to try, and then they half tried, some half tried. Mike Williams got hurt for the Chargers. Staley. Game that means nothing. Herbert was in the game the whole game. What is he doing? Like, what are you doing? It's unbelievable. I was nothing to play for. No. I was talking to somebody this morning that that's like Sean Payton. Like, if they go, if they lose at Jacksonville, that that's, the, that's Sean Payton's want is right there to go to the Chargers. And it's got to be, right? Go, yeah, that's the best job. It has to there. be. Um, you know, the other ones, I'll tell you, there are some tough jobs out there. If McVay leaves the Rams, that's a brutal job. I mean, it's living in L.A., but there's no easy path back there. That's a really old roster, a quarterback who might not have an no arm. No draft picks. No draft picks. That's tough. Um, that Arizona situation is not rosy, man. you got to make it work with Kyler. He's locked up long term. He He's petulant. Yes, he is. That ain't good. That's not a great spot. Denver, historic organization. But what happened to Russ, man? He looked better at the end of the year. Yeah, maybe the Hackett thing was part of it. That, you could talk yourself into that one because there's yeah. a lot of talent. There's a lot of history. And history. He's and, good. Yeah, yeah. Houston? Houston's got money. And They've picks. got picks. Um, they got obviously got R1 the and theirs. One. They're picking and you have overall. a division that feels That's not great. The Jags are ascending. Yeah. The Titans are descending. Mm-hmm. The Colts are I don't know what. Who, who knows? So, like, you could, you could get it, make good it quickly. Yeah. Uh, Carolina is open. Who knows? I don't even know what that is. They're picking like ninth now because they won in New Orleans. That's not attractive other than the division. Yeah. There's nothing there uh, in that one. So that's. And nice colors. Yeah. And oh, in Houston, you're getting new uniforms. So that's. I don't know if that'll be next year, but that the wheels are in motion on getting that. Put the Titans colors, put the Oilers colors into your current uniforms. That's all you got to do. do. Not sold. Yeah, these things are these aren't hard things. To there are a lot done. of people who rock the Oilers unis in Madden. Sweet, they look. Of course, great. The they whites, look great. The all whites are great. It's it's a gorgeous thing, and I people will say, well, the Titans own that specific color of blue, that shade of blue. Uh, so then, just go a different shade. How go one own, Pantone how, less. How can you own a color? I don't know. Just go sky blue. Wear the same blue that like Ole Miss wears. Or Done. Problem solved. Carolina blue. Yeah, they can't own Pick that. Pick another blue. Yeah, you can't own every light blue in the world. No. UCLA's blue. Correct. Yeah, a lot of ways to get around it. Um, did you guys happen to note it? What, let's do guess the stats. Okay. What do you think Geno Smith's completion percentage was? Yesterday? This season. This season? This season, yeah. I'm going to say 58%. <laughs> You're so bad at this. 68. You're pretty close. Uh, 69.8. Round up for 70. He was either the leader or close to it. Yeah. 69.8 completion percentage. Uh, What do you think his yardage, Geno Smith yardage, last this season? I have no clue, but I have a guess. I'm going to say 4,200 yards. Higher. No, he's right there. 4,282. Broke Russell Wilson's franchise franchise record record for passing yards in a season. Good job, Eddie. You get it. Redeem myself. I celebrate your successes. How about a touchdown to interception? Can I interest you in 30 to 11? Yeah, and he threw two yesterday. Yeah. Two Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. Third, three to one. He's going to be comeback player of the he year, is isn't he? 32 years old. Was left for dead 
by this league. Yeah. Well, he's still got to get it. Look, being back, there's there are a lot no, no, more no, things I, than being back. But like, this is a guy who was never going to start again. Never going to start again. Yeah. I mean, he was the guy who replaced Eli, like all yeah. of this stuff. I mean, you think about that path. We all remember him sitting there on draft day where he fell to the second uh, round. He was sitting in there and watch. they never picked him and he eventually went in the second round to the Jets. Was was that EJ Manuel? It could have been. It was. Could have been. But he's 32 yeah. years old. A decade later, he puts up a 70%, 4,300 yards, 30 touchdown, 11 yeah. picks. And how nice is it if you're Seattle this morning? Look at all the assets you got to give up, Russ Wilson. You're picking fifth in the draft. Yeah. Compliments of the Denver Broncos. Yeah. And you have your own, and your own. pick. Yeah. That's to be determined based on how far you go in the playoffs. Yeah. 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 I, by the way, and I'm sure we'll get into this as the week goes along, like you saw the television draft. How about the fact that the one that was always reserved for AFC South is Seattle, San Francisco? They're the early Saturday game. Yeah, which is a pretty good game. With a lot of history. I just think there's there's no interest in that Seattle operation. At all. Brack Purdy, Brack Purdy and Geno Smith that just can't sell it. Kyle's a gangster. But I agree. I mean they whipped yeah, him again. But, but like we'll 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 see them when they play someone of consequence. Think of the flip. If that were Rodgers, that's Sunday night football. Oh, no doubt. Or whoever had first pick. I think my Monday night football had first pick because they have Bucks, Cowboys. I'm so stunned that Sunday pick. night football is Bengals Ravens. They're banking on Lamar. Clearly. Yeah. They're banking on Lamar. Because they had the second pick. So the first pick was Cowboys, Bucks. Second pick would have been that one. Third pick would have been Jacksonville, Chargers. That Third was pick. That's a sneaky good game. It is, but you got to really are they love playing ball that? Saturday night. That's the Saturday night. That's the Saturday night game. Yeah, that's a good game. It is a good game. Right. But, like, ratings-wise, I, I mean, football people love that because of the quarterbacks. That might be my really, – Those are two fan bases that are non-existent. Giants-Vikings is appropriately placed – I would have probably put the Bills in the prime time. I'd put Bills Dolphins in the prime time. I just don't. They're know. worried about they just don't know who's quarterback Miami, and they're worried about a blowout. Dolphins have played them tough. Dolphins beat them. Yeah, yeah, and then they played them tough in Buffalo. Yeah, Cowboys Buccaneers. I mean, I get it. It's I don't know what team's going to show up, but that's how the about best. Dallas laying it yesterday. Not great. Not great at all. No. By the way, we said we smoked that commander's team. Sam Howell looked pretty good. I don't know what to make of How about it's a weird week. We oh, did good on the scores too. Oh, we had to have done really well. Yeah. So maybe the scores were good. Don't stay which, away because we're crazy. too we're too good at it. Too good for our own business even. Um speaking of wild, given everything that's happened in the last seven days, Quay Walker pushing a trainer. <laughs> Apparently he's called him and he's yeah, handled it the right way post. Unfortunately, it wasn't like it was a crazy show. Yeah. But let me tell you something. There was another guy who hit the trailer, say, too. 97 should have gotten in trouble. But how about Jaron Reed going with, like, a bionic forearm to DeAndre Swift's head and his head literally going back into his jersey and no penalty? Well, That was, was the same play because they were coming to 10 to DeAndre Swift. Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't gotten into it, but... We, our game was atrocious. Our, the joke of our game. Our game was atrocious. I mean, our quarterback we, literally got taken I have down never, by the face mask and had the face yeah. mask next to his ear hole. I think it was probably um, just the, the the officiating. I mean, I, I've never seen a quarterback. Like, you have one job in the white hat. That, watch the it. quarterback. That's the job. Like, the notion that you would have would miss that, and there are people, every everyone's watching the quarterback. How do you miss 
that? How's yeah. it not reviewable? Well, here's the thing. I don't care if they miss it. And this is what I said during the thing. And, and it did feel like, like if you were a conspiracy theorist, mm-hmm. there were some calls that went against the Lions that were suspect at best in that yeah. game that they wanted maybe Blue Bloods if there was a you – know, if, if, if that was real, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I'm not suggesting that it is. Sure. But you, as I said, if you're, you could have talked yourself into it. But the NFL would have benefited and the television partners would have preferred Pittsburgh – in over the, Miami. Over Miami and Green, Green Bay, Bay over Seattle. Yes. Significantly so. Big Niners Packers would have been Saturday night or the, Monday the, night. And if it was Bills and and Steelers, it would have been in primetime. Yeah. 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 So what I had said was there was the play where – and Watson yesterday was running for his life a lot of time, and he is unbelievable that you are certain he's being hit and tackled yeah. and he's somehow not. But there was one where he kind of went low, kept his balance, and then yeah. it was scored out for you know 20 yards. Yep. They were within t- 10 seconds able to be like, no, actually, his elbow was down. And we saw it on the replay. I'm like, I think his forearm's down, so that they're going to yeah. count him down. Boom, it's back there. Those same guys could be like, okay, it was a face mask. Just drop a flag yeah. and then say face mask. And nobody's going to have a problem with Nobody. it. Nobody. Because there was. Yeah. There was an, a missed intentional grounding. <laughs> That's uh, It was I a borderline. It was borderline. There was... He could have just said it was confusion. I thought he was stopping. Hot route yeah. should have been a stop. He ran a go. I threw it over there. But... Yeah, the officiating yesterday was not great. But it's no excuse for us. The Browns no, no. beat but the officiating, repeatedly. There has to be real concern going into the playoffs because officiating in the last month has gotten worse. Which, again, like, dramatically worse. They need to make these people full-time employees of the National Football League. They need Period. to be oversight. Yep. Yes. There's Grady, a lot of money grades. to go around. Grades, good salaries. That's the gift. And when you it's don't do it well, you're out. Yeah. But th- there's also per- people watching a hundred monitors. Like they've yeah, got so, so many easy. things right. Buzz it, and they do it quickly. Well, missed it. Face mask. Face mask. Throw. Just yards. drop a flag. Face mask. Yeah. Gumble had a rough one too, and I, heard. I think it was. I heard it was Archuleta awful. and Gumble was tough. That clear rooting interest from Archuleta, but the um, but yeah, it was tough. Clear for, for Pittsburgh. Why? I don't know. Just felt like he was leaning that way. I mean, I I'm not that guy, but it he felt played like for it was, the Rams in my mind. I could yeah, be making that up. Maybe, yeah. No, I think you have that right. It just felt like he was in on the Steelers. That's kind of where he was, yeah. But, yeah, Gumble had a tough one. And he's he's the best. He's great, but it was tough. The fact of the matter is, and I've said this for a very, very long time, that is a very difficult job that those guys have to do in reality. Like, yeah. it is much easier for me or you or Gibbe or Jim or the Hoff even to talk about the Browns because we live yeah. the Browns. They don't. They fly in and they're, oh, we're going to do a Browns game. And they've probably done a couple this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, they've had a few. But, <laughs> you know, they don't know the names. They talk. To, they can talk to the coaches and a couple of players for a little bit ahead of time. But that's all. That's, that's it. it. And so they don't They don't know it. The broad, The audience would be better served with a Manning cast done by every team. And the mm-hmm. elimination other than the best, a Nance and a Romo, you know, mm-hmm. an Al and a Collinsworth. Although they're no longer a right. union. But a Buck and an Aikman. Those people can call big games of consequence, and you'd have as an alternate the lo- your team's own broadcast, but that's what it should be. Yeah. There's no point. No, it's not. And it's Ian lost. and Charles are great. Yeah, there's several. I mean, there's yeah, probably there's... two or three teams on each, but once you get past that in the depth chart, it's just mm-hmm. it's tough. You it's get tough. into the D, E, and F teams. It's yeah, just, it's it, to be fair to them, it really truly is hard to be an expert on all 32 teams to be. the level that you would want out of somebody who's doing that broadcast. Absolutely. And the guys that aren't are either 
the voices of your life, your sports life, on the play-by-play side. And then the color guys are either people that have become really, really good like Charles Davis or they're guys that played at a high level and are able to articulate things very, very well. And you're like, oh, yeah, they have cachet with you. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. All right, Deshaun Watson at the podium coming up next. Let's to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Valley Bet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, welcome back into Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Time to head to the podium now. Quarterback Deshaun Watson's end of the season presser. Let's have a listen. Deshaun, now the six games are done. How did you? Think they went? Did you get everything done? You accomplished? You would hope to? You know, did it meet your expectations on, on kind of how it went? Um, of course, you know, it didn't meet the expectations. Of course, we wanted to try to, you know, find our way into the playoffs and have extended games and opportunity to, you know, clinch the division. All these different things. But um, as far as just, you know, uh, being able to play football again, um, get out there, you know, knock some rust off, you know, have some ups, have some downs. Um, have some in-betweens and kind of really get the, the feel of how we want to operate as an offense um, and what we want to you know look forward to as a Cleveland Brown. Uh, it definitely did that. So, um, you know, I'm excited. I'm, I'm definitely um, looking forward to this future uh, for the Cleveland Browns and the organization and this team. And um, I know it's going to be some changes, but at the same time, you know, I'm always here for improvement and just trying to get better. Now you can look back on it. Was the layoff harder? Or was it more than you even thought that it was going to be? Uh, yeah, it's, it's always the, the layoff, you know, anything that you do. It can be from, you know, anything personal to any activities to work. You know, just having that layoff is definitely tough because you don't get the full effect. You don't get the, the emotions, the mood swings, the adversity, the, all that different stuff that you can kind of mentally think of. But it's different when you kind of, you know, living in it and going through it full speed. Sean, you, you said after the game yesterday you mentioned about sitting down with Kevin and and talking some things out and you know maybe you know pointing out some changes that you, you may look at in the offense what you have some specifics in mind that you want to you want to address with him um not not right now honestly um that's something I think me and Kevin personally should talk about you know just between us instead of putting it out there uh, but, you know, we're going to sit down and, you know, met with him today. We're going to have a man-to-man conversation. Uh, nothing negative or anything like that, but just what can we do to be, you know, better offensively and as a team, you know, because, you know, my, my next step in, in taking this, you know, team and taking that leadership role is really stepping out there and really taking this whole locker room under my wings. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. You know, this year was kind of tough with the, you know, being in the building, being outside the building, you know, all the different changes and all the unknowns. But, you know, going into, you know, this 2023 season and having a, you know, pretty clear view of what, what we can look forward to, I think I can have the opportunity. And that's the role I want to make sure I challenge myself and, and take over. been here for a while. Uh, how do you feel about the decision that you made? You had your choice of a number of places. But uh, now that you have to lay the land and you understand I'm very happy with my with my choice. I'm very um, I, I love being here. I love being in Cleveland. My family loves coming up here to Cleveland. Uh, I love this locker room. I love the players. I love the, the coaches staff. Um, they made it a lot easy for me to transition and, and come in and, and be uh, the person I need to be. Um, so I'm looking forward to the improvements. I'm looking forward to 
what the, the future holds for us. And um, I mean, I'm excited to be a Cleveland Brown, and I want the best for this city. I want the best for this organization and everyone in this locker room. So, like I said before, you know, the ultimate goal is to is try to get to that Super Bowl. Um, and that's what we got to continue to push for. And we got to hold ourselves to a higher standard. I got to hold myself to a higher standard as a player, as a pl as a person, and as a you know as a teammate and as a leader. So, you know, that's what we're going into 2023 thinking of. And um, I want to continue to have those standards very, very high. And you know, everyone got to hold me to that standard also. Um, you know, being able to you know relax a little bit, decompress. Um, and then, you know, once every, all that, you know, pretty much, you know, kind of settled down and get back to work, um, you know, watching the tape, watching the film, uh, mastering this offense. Like I said before, mentioned uh, meeting with Kevin and AVP and Drew and being able to figure out what we need to do better um, and then mastering those before we come back for OTS. And Deshaun, yesterday you said that it's unfair to expect you to, uh, to meet those expectations, what you did 2019 in 2020. So my question is, so what should people expect from you next year? Uh, well, first, I never, I don't think I, I don't remember me saying I, it was unfair. I never said anything about that. Whatever expectations people hold for me, it's always, it's always fair. People have their own opinions. People have their expectations. I said for myself, I wasn't going to come in thinking that, you know, I'm the best quarterback and I'm just going to walk in and win the MVP. I knew that I'm, I'm a realist. I know the reality of this game. I know how hard it is to be able to perform consistently and taking the time off and then stepping into a new situation. That was going to be tough to do. I'm not saying that I can't do it and I wasn't going to be able to do it, but as a realist, I, I knew that it was going to be some challenges and some ups and downs. So for people to sit here and say that I was, I said that it was unfair for people to criticize me. No, people have, it's a fair game. This is a sport of business and you got to come out and perform. But for me to be able to go to this expectations and for 2023, yeah, the expectations should be high because we have the talent, we have the potential, uh, and we have the the people and the pieces to be able to you know meet those expectations. And we got to make sure we doing everything we can do consistently each and every week to try to meet those expectations. Obviously, there's a transition between in the offense between Jacoby and you. How much more of an adjustment do you think it'll be? Let's say heading into week one of the next season. Um, yeah, I think it'll be, uh, you know, a lot, a lot smoother because we'll kind of, you know, know exactly where we want to go. You know, me and Jacoby, um, you know, came up through, you know, different systems. Um, he do a little, he do different things that I, I do and I do different things that he do. Uh, but, you know, he did a very, very great job of, of controlling everything he needed to control uh, for this offense and for this system. Uh, they did it, made sure they wrapped the offense around him so he can be the best he can be. And um, he did a very, 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 very good job um, of handling that and, and controlling what he can control. So going into week one next year, you know, I'm looking forward to that and being able to really master what I can really do to, you know, have this offense as, as explosive as we can. I mean, do you think the style and the play calls will be even more different than they were, let's say, the final few games with you this year? Uh, yeah, most definitely. I think, it would, I think it would be totally different. You know, we've seen glitz of what we wanted to do, but, uh, you know, I think it would be a, a lot different for sure. Deshaun, you touched on the you guys are a very talented team. So my question is, with whatever was missing for this team to reach its potential this year, what type of role do you hope to play or expect to play from a leadership standpoint going into next year to, I guess, help this talent uh, achieve its full potential? I think the biggest thing is really just ma uh, uh, mastering the minors. Um, 
and doing the little things. If we can do the little things, um, you know, starting with this team, I think the big things can happen. And that might, you know, sound kind of uh, cliche, but it's, it's the truth. You got to do the little things. We have a young team that is still learning how to play on this level. Um, and we have a lot of guys that are still managing to, to know that week in and week out, you know, every team is good. Every team is getting paid to do what they do and every team wants to win. And, um, you know, and then that leadership role of just really bringing that confidence to everyone that, you know, every time we step on that field, we can win the game and we're going to win the game, you know, and not just hoping that somebody make a play that everyone can make that play. You just got to be ready for those moments and those opportunities. You got to visualize those. You got to manifest those opportunities in those moments. So when those moments come, you know, you can take full advantage of it and, and make those plays. You talked about making more of a leadership role being with the team from the start next year. What was the first part? You Sorry. mentioned that you're looking forward to taking over a more leadership role just by being with the team the full year. Oh, most definitely, yeah. You know, what, is, what, is it, what will that look like? I mean, how can you change things in that role as the quarterback of the team and the leader of the team? Yeah. Um, I mean, just being around more. You know, like I said, I, I missed a lot of time yeah. because of you know the situation I was dealing with. So. You know, being around more, having opportunities for people to know who I am, having opportunities for people to come where I'm, where I'm at in the off season. You know, we meeting up as groups uh, in the off season to be able to, you know, meet in this city to train, to work out, to hang out, all these different things. And, and you know, this locker room had the opportunity to meet me this year. You know, and, and so uh, for me to be able to step in and, and take control, they know who I am, they know how I lead, they know how I communicate, and you know, I know how this team communicate. And each place, each person has a different way of you know, how they handle different situations. So with me knowing that and going into that, um, you know, going into the off season for the new season, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to. Deshaun, um, two questions real quick. The first one is uh, with Joe Woods getting fired today, uh, what impact might that have on you in terms of the stability of the coaching staff and, and of the organization? So, you know, that's number one. And then the other one is, your off-season, you know, stuff that is going to take place. What's your mindset? What's your approach to having to deal with some of that as you move forward into the offseason? Yeah, first off, you know, I've only met Joe Woods this year, and he's a great man. He's a great coach. He's a he's a he's a great just person in general. And the times I've been able to, you know, spend with him in the sauna, just meeting with him, talking ball, uh, I know he's going to land on his feet. He's a great man. He's a great person. And whoever gets him is, is going to be very, very happy with Joe Woods. So, and that's out of my control as far as, you know, coaching and, and figuring out that situation. My job is to lead this team as an offense and making sure this locker room is locked in to play uh, whenever that time comes. And then uh, with my offseason, you know, just really, um, like I mentioned before, just really just kind of, you know, relaxing, resetting, and then getting back to work as soon as possible um, and, and figuring out what I need to do, watching the tape of these last six games, watching what we can do offensively, talking with Kevin, AVP, Drew, uh, of what we want to, what we're looking forward to. And then, you know, whatever pieces come and, and join us, you know, being able to get them on board so we can all be in sync and on the same page. I'm sorry, I meant um, you're the office, you know, you still have two pending suits out there is that hanging you know is that weighing on your mind and how are you approaching you know the 
you know, the legal issues that you still have outstanding? Yeah, I'm approaching every day just, you know, with a smile on my face and just being able to let my attorneys and my lawyers, you know, deal with that situation. Um, you know, I got to focus on moving forward with, uh, you know, my career, my life, and just, you know, let my attorneys handle that situation. So right now I can't, I can't really speak or I don't know how that's going to go. Deshaun, I know you and Jadavian were obviously friends before you got here, but watching what transpired with him in the last couple of days, your, your feelings on, on that and what's next for him? Uh, JD is going to be good. I mean, he's a great, great teammate, great friend, um, everything. We have a great relationship. Um, I'm definitely going to, of course, you know, see him because, you know, I think he still lives in Houston. So, you know, you know, we're going to cross paths and hang out and stuff. But, you know, he's going to be good. You know, if he's back here, then we'll love to have him. And if he's not, and wherever he lands, he's going to be great for that organization and that team. So I'm looking forward to, to JD having the opportunity to show what he has. And um, I'm excited for him. All right, there's your quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Coming up next, your offensive tackle, the Hoff, will join us. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Elk and Elk, serious lawyers, serious injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. As we begin Hour 2, which means it's the joy of the Joe Thomas Hour on the program. The Hoff joining us. Um, look, these days are never fun. You've, you've lived through these. You know what they're all about. Uh, not only locker cleanout day, but also uh, the firing of defensive coordinator Joe Woods as well. Joe, um, take us inside the room on a day like this. What is it like as a player um, when you see a coach fired what is that like? Where does your head go with a day like today? Well, it's always a tough day, no matter what, when the season's over and you know that this was the last time you got an opportunity to suit it up and play with these brothers that are around you. I mean, these are guys that you've spent the last six months with and you've spent more time with them than your own families. Um, so you develop some deep bonds and relationships. And although I think the writing was on the wall for Joe Woods for some time now, it's still hard when it happens because it becomes real in that moment. And no matter what the performance was like on the field, there's a human side, there's a human component, and there's a personal relationship that it hurts when a, a person does lose their job. Because as a player, I think you immediately start thinking about like their family. You start thinking about, all right, the change and the turmoil now in that person's life and where they're going to end up and if they're going to land on their feet. But then you also start thinking about, your own future, your own future in Cleveland, possibly your own future somewhere else, what the team's going to look like, the uncertainty that's certainly ahead when you finish a season seven and 10 with higher expectations. I mean, I think it was pretty clear when the Deshaun Watson suspension was upped to 11 games that it was going to be an uphill battle to make the playoffs. Um, but I, I think the expectations certainly were, were higher, especially when you see the talent on this team. And you saw the glimpses at times of how good this team could be. And you saw that maybe the biggest question mark going into the season was your quarterback position, Jacoby Brissett, who, by all accounts, exceeded everybody's expectation. And so when that yeah. happens, I think the ceiling got raised. And unfortunately, it wasn't met. And so that's why this is such a difficult day and you're seeing some people lose their jobs. Half. Do players, in, in large part, you said the writing was on the wall, and, and, and I think one of the reasons the writing was on the wall was just defensive busts 
that had happened with far too much frequency, you know, just an inability in, in high leverage situations to deliver. We've seen that, you know, even yesterday on three third and eight or longers on one drive where you had a chance down six to really get the ball back and, and take over this game. But do players, and I was asking, we were talking about earlier, do, do players feel some accountability to that? Does that, like, man, I blew this and I blew that, and now this guy doesn't have a job. The good ones do, right? I mean, that's how yeah. I always felt. And I think that's part of the anguish that as a player, like you sometimes go through, and you know, I've talked about it a few times about, especially at the end of my career, kind of the, the mental hardship that I went through personally, like my own personal battle. I kept it to myself and my wife um, and then ended up speaking with the therapist that the Browns offer. Um, and that really helped. But like you feel responsibility, even when you feel like you're, you're mostly doing your job. If you're a competitor and you're a professional and you're a perfectionist, like I was, like some of the guys in that locker room were, you instantly are thinking back in your head, like, what could I have done better? What did I miss? That maybe it wasn't the reason that got somebody else fired and lost their job, but certainly like, did it contribute to it? And you beat yourself up over that. Um, and so honestly, like those are the guys you want in your locker room, right? Because yeah. it's meaningful. Those are the guys that are building meaningful relationships with their teammates and their coaches. And it's important to them. It's more than just a paycheck, you know? And the guys that are like, no, oh, whatever, you know, good riddance. Let's, let's wash yeah. our hands clean of those dudes, get them out of here and start building a winning culture or hopefully continue to build maybe what's already been started in some areas, but cut the cancers out and get moving forward in the right direction with the guys that you can build a champion with. All right, now if I'm going to assume that whoever gets this defensive coordinator job is going to be smart with their scheme and, and understand that. So what traits would you, do you think, given everything you know about this organization, this team, its inability to maybe realize its potential, what are the most important traits that you want to see in this defensive coordinator hire? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think scheme is the issue you know I, I thought the scheme yeah. that joe woods ran was good for the personnel right he likes a lot of sub packages like that's kind of his mo um i think he was hindered by defensive line play like that was one yep. of the things we sort of overlooked a little bit but we kind of assumed like hey we're building this team to play with a lead it reminds me of the colts that i used to play yep. against like they didn't care about giving up the run game they had tiny defensive tackles they were just trying to rush the quarterback and yep. i think our defense was trying to rush the quarterback and be able to handle the Lamar Jacksons in the league, the Joe Burrows in our division that could run and can beat you with a bunch of receivers. So that's kind of why we were built with like the nickel dime defense in mind. And that's who Joe Woods was. So schematically, I don't think that's the issue, but what I want to see is I want to see leadership and communication. Like those are the two things throughout the whole team, but specifically on defense, you know, you got to find a guy in that room, whether it's a player or whether it's a coach that wants to be the heartbeat of that side of the football. Um, it doesn't always have to be a player. And Miles Garrett is one of the best defensive players certainly the Browns have ever had. And I think when his career is set, all said and done, he's going to be one of the greatest defensive players the NFL has ever seen. But he's not the most vocal guy, which is fine. People lead in different ways. I wasn't sure. always the most vocal. Certainly to the media, right? I was a little more vocal in the locker room, but I wasn't a rah-rah guy either. Miles is not a big rah-rah guy, but like you have to have some element of that somewhere. Like when when I played, DeQuell Jackson was a, 
more vocal person, especially on the defensive side of the football. Uh, Christian Kirksey was that guy at times. Like So whether that comes from a coach or a player, I think it would help from a communication standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, when things are going a little bit sideways, to have somebody who can be that voice that everybody looks to in those moments, whether it be encouraging them or kicking them in the butt. Like, I think that would be a big help to have somebody on that defensive side of the football that has that in their DNA. Joe, when you, when you make a coordinator change and you have to go out and find the new guy and you went over some of the characteristics and similar ones that Nathan and I talked about earlier in the show, um, the, the question I had was how difficult is it to come into an operation that is already established? Um, this will be, you know, you're going to go into year four for Kevin Stefanski next year. How difficult is it to, especially if there's not previous relationship, a lot of the, the names that are out there, whether it's Flores or Jared Mayo, or there's a defense assistant defensive coordinator in Seattle. Yeah. Um, reportedly. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So how difficult is it, to make that all work and speak the same language and all row in the same direction uh, when you're brought in midstream the way this one's going to be? I don't think it's too difficult, especially on the defensive side of the football. Offensive football is so much more about like details and scheme and like these tiny little differences on every single play and what the defense does can change one play into a million different things. But defense is about getting guys lined up disguising pre-snap, making sure they're communicating, they're all on the same page, and then reacting. And really, once the ball is snapped, it becomes more about the culture that you've built in that locker room on the defensive side of the football and less about like the defensive terminology and things like that because you're trying to teach them to play a certain way. And that's what, as you're talking about maybe this some, this person from Seattle, like like I said, I, I haven't dove into possibilities because Joe Woods just – got relieved of his sure. duties today. However, what Pete Carroll has been great about forever, it's not the scheme. It's not like he's running some cutting-edge scheme that nobody's ever seen before. But he's built a culture, and guys buy in and they play a certain way. So when the ball gets snapped, no matter where they are, they know how to play. It's swarm to the football. It's gang tackle. It's the technique of the tackle that we use. Like It's the communication that happens on the field and understanding how important certain things are and prioritizing everything from, hey, this can never happen. So no matter what happens, we don't screw up a call. We don't let somebody get behind us in critical moments in the game. Understanding situational football, like those are the tenets of what Seattle has had on defense forever. And so I think being able to instill that culture and install that culture on the defensive side of the football is probably something that can honestly be done through the offseason and through training camp. And so I wouldn't see that as a big impediment to turning this defense around into what we think it can be, which is a top five defense in the NFL. Hoff, when you would go to the Pro Bowls, I know as a student of the game, and maybe it was you know more relaxation this, but did you ever kind of, because there's something to the Steelers, right? There's something to the Ravens. Did you ever kind of pick the brain of some of your uh, division mates or even of the other successful teams and be like, just kind of what what is the difference? What is that culture? Because it's clear if you have 19 straight non-losing seasons and it's now 16 straight for Mike Tomlin as a head coach, that doesn't happen by accident. That's not luck. Like, Everybody's playing the NFL, drafting, doing all that. There's something about that culture that is different that lends itself to winning and the success. 
Yeah, I did. I mean, and that's the cool thing. What used to be cool about playing in the Pro Bowl. I mean, now they they have the Pro Bowl games, which who the hell knows what that means. But uh, <laughs> when you were football. actually playing a game and you'd go out and practice with these dudes and you'd be drinking Mai Tais around the hotel pool with guys like Peyton Manning and Dwight Freeney and James Harrison, you had a chance to say like, hey, man, we stunk this year. What are you guys doing over there? Like, how do you maintain that level of success? And, you know, when I boil it all down to, it's a few things, right? One is the coach's ability to communicate, not only to the players, but he's communicating his standards to his coaching staff. And that starts in a very hierarchical manner where it's head coach, coordinators, coordinators communicating to the position coaches, position coaches communicating to their players. And I think that's one of the most important things that a head coach does is understanding, all right, what's the big picture? How do we come up with our game plan and our vision in the off season? And then how do I make sure I clearly and concisely communicate that to my coaching staff so that they're teaching the things that I want to my players so that we're seeing it on Sundays? Um, now, obviously, part of the consistent success is if you have a great quarterback like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Ben Roethlisberger, like that's a big part of it. There's no doubt it's impossible to win consistently if you don't have a tier one franchise quarterback. But one thing I will say is when you do have that quarterback and you do have some success or sustained success, the ability to have the same coaching staff for a long time, it makes a big difference because when a when a team is coming in and the players are new, they're not learning kindergarten level stuff on day one. And then day two, they're building upon that. Like, they're coming in and they're building upon the stuff that they learned from three years ago with the staff. Yeah. And on top of that, the coaches, they know what the expectations are in every situation from their head coach. They're not going back to the meeting and being like, hey, coach, uh, we're kind of new. We haven't worked together for all that long. My player had a question for me about this, and I didn't have the answer. I got to go to you, right? Like, I guarantee the assistants that have been with Bill Belichick for a long time they know the answer to every question their players can get from them. And it's certainly not coming from their brain. It was coming from Belichick's brain, but they're like little mini robots running around. And I guess part of the reason that Belichick, in my opinion, disciples have had almost no success being their own head coach is because he kind of takes these guys that are smart and brings them in. And instead of giving them creative freedom to kind of learn a little bit on their own, you know, he basically just tells them, this is what you're going to learn. This is what you're going to tell those guys. And they're just a conduit to be Bill Belichick's brain. And I don't think they ever kind of develop their own way of thinking a lot of times. Vrabel being the exception, though, because he yeah. played, played for a lot of guys, coached for other dudes. And so you can kind of pull upon your own experiences and you become your own person a little bit. Other thing, Vrabel's a dude. He's a dude. Yeah, he's a dude. Yeah. And Flores was Flores yeah. was successful, yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's a dude and has kind of that same command. Brable's as alpha as it gets. <laughs> yeah. What an what an exchange, by the way, our Incredible alpha friend exchange. was involved in. Um so good. nonetheless. Hop, I sent to you on Instagram what I consider to be the most impressive footage I've ever seen of the Hoff's playing career. And it's in the Ooh. context of a Ben Roethlisberger Pro Bowl story about Jeff Saturday, Ooh. which is hilarious and disgusting. But in the clip that is used in this interview, Hoff, I never realized you did this. You were playing right tackle in the Pro Bowl, and boy, did it look natural, like you had played right tackle <laughs> your whole career. So I oh, don't want to hear any of this left to right stuff. Go there. It's so hard. <laughs> Come on, you made it look like you made it look easy. 
Uh, I'm going to have to check that out. First of all, I'm very new to Instagram, uh, so I'm still trying to figure out how to like... It's in your DMs. Up. Yeah, I don't know how to get there. I'm going to have to have <laughs> my kids show me how to get there and check it out. But it is true. So occasionally in the Pro Bowl, especially as I was a wee lad or as I was volunteering for service to God and country, when we'd have three left tackles that were Pro Bowl tackles, like somebody had to go over there and play right tackle and none of us had the experience when you're the young guy. You, you were uh, conscripted to go over there. When it was like me and Tyron Smith and like another old dude, I can't remember who the other tackle was. Maybe it was Whitworth. Uh, we were like all kind of about the same age. And so we just went on a rotation. We're like, all right, everyone has to fall on the sword for at least two or three drives per game. And you have to go out there. And I'll tell you what, you can do it when dudes are playing about 90, 95%. But <laughs> when TJ Watt's coming off the edge and there's live bullets flying, it's a different ball game. All right, I just texted it to you, so you won't have to. No, you, you won't have no, to go no, search. No, it, so yeah, I can do yeah. that. All right, we'll get Hoff's uh, take on yesterday's loss, uh, the six games with Deshaun Watson. What does he make of that? The offensive chemistry heading into the off season. We will continue with Joe Thomas on the Joe Thomas Hour, Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, listen to Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio, the Joe Thomas hour of the program. This from Albert Breer in the last five minutes or so. Uh, The Browns are scheduling an interview with ex-Lions coach Jim Schwartz for the defensive coordinator opening per sources. Cleveland's also put requests in for uh, Steelers assistant Brian Flores and Patriots linebacker coach Jared Mayo. And there was also the guy who was the defensive coordinator in Chicago in 20. He was a name I'm not, I wasn't familiar. In 2021, Sean Desai. Sean Desai. He's the associate head coach for Seattle right now. So that's four on the list as of now. And Schwartz, of course, spent some time with the Browns under Bill Belichick. He was part of that huge group of people that were all here under Bill Belichick. But I think at that time he was maybe like a quality control guy. Yeah, that's probably about as much coaching talent as ever has been. On one, like Bill Walsh would have had group. some in the early yeah. '80s that would have been close, but, but it's, that was pretty pretty it's out. way way yeah. up there certainly. Um, all right, let's. I mean, this game's kind of a microcosm, isn't it, Joe, of the season? Um, just bad at the end of halves, not clutch turnovers when they can't be, busts on third down, busts in coverage. Um, kind of the whole season rolled into one game, and unfortunately at Pittsburgh. Absolutely. I mean, it was one of those games where you felt like if the Browns show up and play reasonably like they've played since Deshaun Watson's been back, they should win this game because while the Steelers are well coached and they've got a good defense and at times Kenny Pickett plays good football and they've got some other things to get excited about, you still feel like the talent gap between us and them is in our favor. And I think when you make mistakes, specifically turnovers and huge coverage busts, it's hard to beat anybody. I mean, the NFL is super competitive. And as much as you want to poo-poo the teams that are at the bottom, like the Colts and the Texans, like if you don't play at your best any week, like they got plenty of dudes that can beat your dudes. This is the ultimate league of parity. So you got to be ready to be at your best every week. And if you're not, you're going to get beat. Yeah, and and in many ways, as I said, this game was a microcosm of everything, right? Get out to a nice lead. You're feeling good. You're up seven going into the two-minute warning. Bust, turnover. All of a sudden, you're down 10 to seven going in the half. You cut it to 20 to 14, and then you give up three third and eight or longers on one drive to back up third-string tight end rookies who would not been factors at any point. Friermuth goes down. 
And all of a sudden, this guy lights you up in a one-on-one with a corner. Like, that's a matchup you've got to win. And I think, you know, it's too often that we just didn't win when we needed to. We talked about that, half High leverage situations. NFL comes down to, you know, four or five high leverage situations, big plays, money downs, whatever you want to call it. We are on the wrong side of those far too often, and hence 7-10. and 10. I think that's one of the things that Kevin Stefanski is going to need to do some soul-searching about this offseason is, hey, why were we not good in those high-leverage, gotta-have-it, game-on-the-line situations? And, you know, part of me wants to say, well, it's still a pretty young team, and generally speaking, to get good at those situations, one, you got to be prepared, but two, like, having that experience in game moments makes a big difference because that's where you really have that growth and you have that understanding of being able to make decisions that are quick that may be things you didn't even practice, but you can kind of reflect back on, oh, that's how we did it five, six years ago, and you can do it in the moment. You don't have to go to the sidelines and get a correction from your coach and then go out and figure it out. And that's what those moments are all about. But at the same time, maybe there's something in how we prepare and how we coach those situations in our situational football that's not allowing us to be great in those moments. Now, I will say the best team forever since I've been in the NFL or paying close attention was Bill Belichick in New England. And now they've got a pretty young team and their quarterback's not as good as the one they used to have. And they've been bad in those situations. So it's not like coaching is everything in that moment, right? It's a blend of coaching and the experience that your players have. And then obviously the talent that your players have. But as Kevin looks back on the season and tries to figure out how do we get better in those moments, I think you got to critically analyze all those three segments. Yeah, you do. And and one of the things that's that's got to get sorted out and you'll have the full off season to do so. And I do think this is important, Joe. I and maybe this was more common in your time. This is my fifth season, but it felt like when this season was over, the quarterback would get on a plane and then we'd see him again in June. Uh Deshaun's sticking around. So he'll be here this off season. Um first one since I've been here, Z. I don't know how common it was before that, but to have the quarterback stick around the entire off season, uh that seems noteworthy to me. Um, I can't think of one. Hoff, did you, did you play with anybody who did that? Maybe Hoyer. I, I don't I was know. Say Hoyer, like, he's from Cleveland. Even in, yeah. in that situation, though, I can't remember. It's so damn hard to think back on all those years sure. of uh, quarterbacks that I don't remember how many times like we finished the season with a starter and, and yeah. everybody knew he was going to be the starter the next year. Right. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So, but that seems significant. <laughs> Derek Anderson, maybe? Yeah, seven to eight, maybe. 2007 yeah. to 2008, that's about yeah. all I can remember. You could see Brady sticking around because he would have been a rookie going into his second, you know, potentially that way. Yeah, but this good. is – But it's rare. You Desha- see the and it's Deshaun Watson. And it's yeah. Deshaun Watson. He's a dude. Yeah. Um, so, but, but operation will be getting him to play like he played in Houston, and we saw flashes. Um, what do you make of the six games with Watson? I think you saw flashes, but not enough consistency. And my biggest point that I think they're going to need to improve on is just making plays within the pocket. I I think because things were not always crystal clear in Deshaun's mind when he was looking at the defense. Now, whether that was just from having a lot of rust or being new to the system or just being generally new with these receivers, his default is to scramble around and try to make a play, which he's really good at, but there's got to be a healthy balance of making throws on time in the pocket and then beating the defense by getting outside the pocket and extending the plays. Cause you're the most dangerous when you extend plays, not every time, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're always extending plays, then defenses can be called 
like you saw a little bit with Pittsburgh where they're like, hey, we're only going to rush three and then we're yeah. going to try to confuse Spy. you with different robbers and yeah. spies and things like that to be in positions you don't expect when you are doing your scramble drill. Because scramble drill is a little bit more predictable. Like, hey, if the quarterback breaks out to the right and starts running the right sideline, everybody's going to kind of follow him. Like, those are, those are things that you saw even on their pass rush. Like, they were trying to take the defensive end over our left tackle and rush him sort of down the inside half of Jedrick to try to collapse the pocket there, rush TJ up the field and try to get Deshaun to run to his left, which is obviously harder when you're a right-handed quarterback. So like when he starts making those plays in the pocket, now that's what opens up the opportunity to escape the pocket for some of those big plays. So I think just getting more comfortable with the offense, getting more comfortable throwing to the receivers and then getting that decision, making that clock in his head to go off a little quicker and to be able to hit some of these rhythm throws in the pocket will make things a lot better when he does try to extend the play and get outside the pocket. Yeah, I, I think you you hit the nail on the head there. Not surprisingly, you are the Hoff. This is the four things that I kind of wrote down that, you know, it feels like we need to add some kind of maybe air raid type principles to our offense, Hoff, you know, because that is what he is comfortable with. And so to have that blend, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think so too. And I, and that's one of the things that I'm excited about having Deshaun with Kevin the whole off season is like, what do you think they're going to do? I mean, you can only throw for 45 minutes or an hour a day, but then you're going to spend time with your coach watching film, having lunch, talking football, talking about, Hey, what do you think about this concept? Hey, let's, let's throw on some of that Arizona film and watch some of this stuff. Hey, do you think you could be pretty good at it? We think we got the weapons to be able to do some of these concepts to, to maybe sprinkle this in like, they got two or three months before guys are full, you know, really back in the building with OTAs before they have to have concrete idea of like, all right, this is what we're installing day one of OTAs. So you got a lot of time to kind of tinker with the offense and both those guys using their brains and their experience coming up with some new concepts. And I think the air raid fits perfectly with our personnel's. Yeah, I also I thought wrote down scramble drill, and I think that's not just for the wide receivers, as you talked about the pass oh, catchers, yeah. but for the line. Like, how many times yeah. did have, they probably weren't getting work like this with Jacoby Brissett, and no, it wasn't anything. No. They've never had to deal with this. I, and frankly, I was thinking, you know, Joel's probably, and even as long as he's been here, maybe a little bit with Johnny, but I don't know how much scramble drill you guys were doing with him, and he was certainly different than Deshaun and the ability to do that. And then, you know, I was saying a speed receiver gotta have it even on the big play to amari cooper which happened half from structure it was yeah. when darden came in the motion and then hit that post out of that motion he took two guys with him because i think he got on them so quick they're like whoa and they both dropped deep and that creates that opening i just think having a speed receiver is going to be critical for this football team and for deshaun well if you got a guy that's turning and running down the field when it's scramble drill. Now, what do you think the defense is going to have to do? What do you think they've been coached on all week? Hey, as soon as Deshaun gets out of the pocket, I want to make sure both of my safeties or maybe my safety and my corners are deeper than the deepest. Like you can't let them beat us in the scramble drill with these 70 yard bombs down the field. I mean, we've seen homes forever. See how much underneath stuff that opened having those yep. guys afraid of it. Like, to me, that's the, the big difference between Mahomes this year and last year. Everybody wanted to play him in cover two because of Tyreek Hill and because of how much he wanted to throw the ball down the field, which that works, but it opens up a lot of stuff underneath. But Mahomes didn't want to take it, didn't want to take the easy stuff, but it was there. But now he's working the middle of the field, and then that opens up the rest of the stuff. So having a guy that 
scares defenses, especially when Deshaun leaves the pocket, would make things so much easier. And we've seen the development of the Chief with a lot of the intermediate stuff. Yep. Like, imagine how deadly that connection is going to be when you got a guy that's taking the top off the defense that scared defensive coordinators about the 70-yard bombs. Yeah, absolutely. That's It's going to be a fun offseason to go through all of those things. If we can check every box, it needs to be checked there. Uh, we'll go around week 18 with the Hoffs. Some of the coaching hires and fires, or rather fires, that have happened in the playoffs are set. That's all coming up next. You'll listen to the Joe Thomas Hour, Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Be part of the most passionate fan base of the NFL. Join the Browns season ticket member waitlist today. The best chance of securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets. Or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. It is the Joe Thomas hour of the program. He has been known as the Hoff on this show for a very, very right. long time. And a step closer to making that a reality on the professional football side, already is that on the college football side, his former teammate Joel Batonio had this to say uh, about the Hoff. Besides possibly having to play in the Hall of Fame game, <laughs> um, it's 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 huge. Now, I mean, to have a teammate, you know, have a teammate that that's gonna make the Hall of Fame is pretty dang special, and he deserves it. He, um, you know, one of the best left tackles to ever play, especially of his generation. So it'll be it'll be really cool to see it, and hopefully, I can get out of camp or something, and go see him get inducted into the ceremony. That's pretty good. It's great. Yeah. Hoff, is that, the, is that the one pinch of, twinge of guilt you might have that these guys have to play in the Hall of Fame game? I definitely owe these boys a mission barbecue meal or a couple for making them come in early to work. So that was one of the few benefits of being on a crappy team for 11 years was we never had to play in the Hall of Fame game. And for those that don't know, when you play in the Hall of Fame game, that's the first NFL preseason game. And the rules in the NFL, at least when I was in the uh, NFL, was like 15 days before your first preseason game is when camp started. So, like, if your first preseason game was August 10th, you'd start 15 days before that. And then if August 10th was like the opening weekend of preseason, the NFL Hall of Fame game was like the week before. So, basically, you had an extra week of preseason, and so you lost a week of your summer, which is like gold bricks when you're an NFL player because you get done, like, mid to late June. And then you usually get four to six weeks at the most where you get to go home, you train on your own, you get to see your family, your friends. But every day that you get closer to the start of training camp, it's like one day closer walking the green mile to the electric chair. Because you know, for the next six months, your life basically that was outside of football doesn't exist. You don't have friends, you don't have family, you don't have hobbies. All you do is football. Uh, So I do feel sorry that uh, when I do get in the Hall of Fame, eventually those poor boys are going to probably have to play the Hall of Fame game. Well, listen, I think you, by the way, two things. Number one, it's an extra week with your boys. An extra week to prepare <laughs> yeah. for a championship yeah, season in 2023. I like also, that. Also, Joel's not playing in the game. No, he's certainly not. No, <laughs> so Joel's not playing there. anyway. He's going to stand there. But I like what you said there. No hobbies. I think that is something that I want you to you need to deliver that message a little bit. I think that should be part of your speech. No hobbies allowed. Football. I love it. This is how you football. get here. That's it, man. Football. You want to you want to yeah. wear the gold jacket? No hobbies. That's football. 
No friends. I can't wait. I cannot wait to see you working some sort of tractor or the cows in the gold jacket. I can't wait to see oh, that happen. That's amazing. Fishing I in the gold that. jacket. It's going to be unbelievable. Oh. It's so exciting. Um, we we have a playoff picture that, by the way, I mean, you continue to join us from Wisconsin. How about that? Oh. Lambo. What a choker. At home, you lose oh, wow. to the Lions? To the Lions? What, oh, what the hell, Hoff? That can't happen up there. How did that happen? What's the temperature the, up there? The temperature is very hot. There's a lot of Aaron Rodgers anger right now. And obviously, you can't play, place it. everything on him. But uh, for the last, what, two, three years, this whole franchise has been sort of in turmoil about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers this and that. And, you know, when he was playing at an MVP level – you can excuse some of the silliness and the foolishness, but this year he didn't play all that well. And so there's a lot of people in Wisconsin that are not very happy. My, my uh, college roommates, one is a Lions fan, one's a Bears fan, and then I got two Packers fans. And so we're all on like a text group. And let me tell you, it's been real fiery the last 12 hours. A lot of people relishing in the fact that big day for the Lions. Aaron Rodgers may have lost his last game as a Packer at home to the lowly Lions. Did you read into the fact that Jamison Williams asked him for the jersey and he said, I'm going to keep this one? Do you do you read into that? Yeah, man. Uh, well, first of all, I think Jamison w- Williams is a total bozo for doing that. That First of all, the whole jersey trading thing irks me from the start, and I never did yeah. it. Because, it, one, it makes the job of the poor equipment managers and the seamstress like impossible to make you a new jersey every week so that you can trade your practice squad jersey with some dude that never played. What are you going to do with 40 practice squad jerseys when uh, when it's all done? A jersey doesn't exactly take up a little bit of space on the wall. I mean, I got like three jerseys up in my whole house and I got a fairly large house and it doesn't have room for any more jerseys. So what are you going to do with all these jerseys? Second of all, and they're all yours. Well, there's a couple other, I got a, uh, a Jersey. It's a Jim Brown that's signed by Jim Brown autogram and me, which there's a story behind that. It was not, I didn't sign my own Jersey, but I got it as a gift from somebody else. So th- let's just put it, put that up. Let's there, put that right? one on the me. farm in North Dakota. That's a special yeah, one. Right. That's, that's another yeah, that's special one bomb one. dropped on us right yeah, there. Just me, yeah, Jim Brown, exactly. autogram, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. That's so that's, that's a cool one. But I'm like, what are we going to do with all these jerseys? Second of all, you see that a lot where it's like you have not put enough pelts on the wall to go up to Aaron Rodgers and for ask Aaron Rodgers, him for yes. his jersey. Yeah. His yes. game-worn jersey, maybe his last game as a Packer, and you're going to walk up – because one of two things, one, you either think you're on his level, which is a big problem, or two, you know, you're not on his level and he doesn't give a crap about your Jersey. And you're basically just asking him for one of his most prized possessions. Like, can you imagine if whatever your most prized possession is like a memory of a relic of your athletic career, your life. And somebody just, some bozo just walked up and was like, can I have that from you? Like, no, get out of here. No. Geek. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a, there's you, a man has got to know his limitations. Like I was trying and to a think, rookie wide receiver yeah. going up as good as James Williams is going to be. That ain't it, man. I was trying to think if go there get was... Christian Watson's jersey. Switch yes. those. Yeah, up. I was you. trying to think if there was anybody on the Lions team that even could have made that. The only guy that I think it would have been okay for is that was it Kirby Joseph, the guy that picked him off three times this year nobody's ever picked him off more oh, than three times in their Stones career too, though, in that game and he's the only one who's done it. he did three times this season yeah and he had a fourth yeah. wiped off by a garbage penalty yeah. that would have been good. i think if barry sanders came out of the crowd then he then would be, yeah that would be yeah. an appropriate yeah. jersey swap yeah. but Thank it's you. a tough 
The crazy thing with Rod, I mean, Rodgers won the MVP last year. I know. It was a quick, I know. quick, quick fall off. Um, oh, my gosh. I can't believe we're out of time. There's so many things I want to I just want to keep talking to the house. I just want to keep talking to the house. This is so, so much more joyous. More fun. Is this it? No is this it? We're done with the Hoff? This is it? We can't have more Hoff in the next month? This is I it? Mean, I mean, I'm sure we'll find some time. But in terms but of the Joe Thomas hour, this the is it. hour, yeah. Do we need to have – do we need a Super Bowl prediction now, or can we wait for that we wait. as we go? We can wait. Yeah, we'll right. be on again. There, there will be more time for, yes. for some joy here for sure. I feel like uh, a little like my one of my kids was like, "Can Timmy stay another night? Can yeah, he, right. One can more he stay hour. Longer? What? <gasps> oh, Let me finish right. this game, Dad. There's just one more game. Hoff, God bless you. Yeah, thanks for your time, buddy. Guys, it's been great. Thanks for having me on. Lots of fun. Excited to reconnect soon and uh, talk about the playoffs and the Super Bowl, which certainly will be an exciting run to the Super Bowl this oh, year. Oh man, yeah, it is. I will leave you with this. Uh, Gibby has passed you in over unders for second place. You're now a game oh, behind God. Gibby. Woo! Oh God! Oh, God. I'm out. I'm not. I'm not That's coming it. on anymore. You need to look in the mirror. You got too many hobbies right now, Hoff. <laughs> Lock it up. All right. Oh, thanks, guys. The great we'll talk to you later. <laughs> I feel terrible. To, oh, so much more to come. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio That's at 8:50 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. I just wanted to, um, I want to read over some numbers here as we close out. What is, I mean, it's always pure joy to talk to Hoff, but but also just uh, some things to, an appreciation, if you will. 1,525 yards, 12 touchdowns, 5 yards a carry. Pretty good. Chubb. So Nick Chubb, second Brown ever over 1,500 yards, yep. joining Jim Brown. We've heard of him. First first player ever, ever to have more than 100 carries in five straight seasons and average five yards per mm-hmm. carry or more mm-hmm. in each of those seasons. First player ever. Yeah. Not just first five seasons. No, no. Any five seasons in a row, ever. Yeah. And he did it his first five seasons in the NFL. Yep. He's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, that's just an incredible year. Uh, out of Nick Chubb. Obviously going to be a lot of news all off-season long. Uh, we'll get a little bit more into the locker cleanout day uh, coming up tomorrow. Some of the things some of our guys said, we will dig into that. And we'll continue to keep our eye on the NFL. Uh, gonna hey, be a you fun have a playoffs. score for tonight? Georgia, TCU? TCU covers. It's 13.5 Georgia wins. Back-to-back national titles. There we go. It's honestly the least appealing national championship game in since they've been doing it. It doesn't even feel like it's happening. And if it had been Ohio State and Michigan both won their respective be, games, it would have been. I don't think it'll do well in the ratings either. No, it's it's going to be tough. How big would it have been if it was Bucks? Mich- Bucks. As big as can be. That's what I think. Yep, would have. Um, all right, the next level coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet coming soon to Ohio on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland.